Hey there, it's Dr. Mike T. Nelson, and I am back once again with a podcast episode. I was gone for a while, so a couple updates. One of the reasons for the absence here, uh, in addition to lots of chaos from the COVID thing going on, I guess you could say, and I also changed the name of the podcast. So it is now the Flex Diet Podcast. So I'm pretty stoked about that. I have been busy in the background doing some interviews. I interviewed my buddy, Dr. Tommy Wood, when I was down in Costa Rica. Hopefully that one turned out okay. I'm also interviewed coming up on the program, Dr. Eric Helms. Uh, he was down in Costa Rica too, although we interviewed him after the fact. Uh, Dr. Uh, would hopefully that interview will be good. Uh, Eric Helms interview sounds like it turned out good. And then we also interviewed Thaddeus Owen talking about all things related to light exposure. And we've got more in the works coming up after that too. So kind of the format is we'll have around eh, one tip or kind of random thing I'm doing per week and then the goal is to have at least the one interview per week. And then season two of kind of the daily episodes, which you can go back and still listen to those. We were able to keep them on the same feed here, so you should be able to get access to all of those. Season two of more daily short episodes will start probably July or August or possibly in the fall. Um, the reason is they are incredibly time-consuming. And again, I love doing them. I'm super happy with how they turned out. Uh, but trying to do a lot more of the background research to make sure they are supported and get the format and everything down takes a little bit more time. So I literally have everything for the next season already written out in terms of what I want to cover and what I want to do. Um, but... You just need to free up some time and some projects and everything else uh, before we can get that out to you. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. Today, I'm going to just give a, a short update on what's been going on here. Talk to you about my AM aerobic experiment. I decided to take some time and uh, really crank on an aerobic uh, base. I've done a fair amount more of aerobic training the past couple of years, primarily on the rower. So massive shout out to Dr. Kenneth J from the Kerrig Institute there. Um, of course, I'm biased because I also helped design the human performance program there. Um, but Kenneth did an awesome job with the strength module and the cardiovascular module. Um, I teach the nutrition and recovery HRV module. My good buddy, Dr. Freddy's Garcia, Dr. Joseph Clark, teach the neuromodule. So you can look at the Kerrig Institute, their website, and look for Human Performance Program. I'll have all the details there. And in the cardiovascular program, uh, Kenneth did a great job uh, talking about how to use the rower, how to do everything from a VO2 max uh, test protocol on it, how to set up uh, looking at bioenergetics from the very short, super intense sprints to all the way to a 20-minute capacity test. And that really changed how I did a lot of work with clients online. 
uh, because I needed a way that they could be tested in their facility. Uh, I'm a little biased here because I do have a, a metabolic heart, a portable one that I can use from uh, Pinoy, which I do like. And I've got a Moxie setup so I can look directly at muscle oxygenation levels too. But I needed something to do with my online clients. Uh, so Kenneth did a really bang up job on that, uh, took us through all the testing. And that's kind of really changed the way that I've done uh, work with the rower. And I think the rower is probably one of the most underutilized pieces of equipment in the gym, uh, especially in a CrossFit gym. I know there's a fair amount of wads, obviously, that use the rower, but I think it could be used a lot more effectively. Uh, again, Kenneth has a ton of really great stuff on that. So you can also look up his book called The Cardio Code. Again, highly recommend that also. Um, but I don't really enjoy the rower per se, but I find that the effects from it for myself and for clients, especially if they're doing, I would say more hybrid work where they're doing some lifting work and still want some aerobic fitness, um, I think it's really good. And the nice part about it too is that you automatically get all of the data from it. So you can see power, you can see times. So when you work with people online, I'm automatically getting all the data because it's being displayed through the unit. Uh, there's a way you can kind of get it wirelessly in, in the background. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I go through on that in the mentorship program that I'm teaching right now, actually. So probably more on that in the future. But for my own work here, uh, like I said, I have been doing more aerobic stuff. I've been trying to do it first thing in the morning for probably like the past year. And I literally just started at doing six minutes on the rower. So again, not very much time at all, but I wanted to make it a low enough time that I did not give myself a reason not to do it. So again, I got this from James Clear. His book is awesome, Atomic Habits. Sometimes you just need to work on the habit of doing the thing and not worry so much about the physiologic effect. Right? And the reality is, Let's say I just went out and rode only a thousand meters, right? So if there's an elite level rowers listening, they will laugh at that because that's not even a warm up for them. However, I'm not an elite level rower and I'm not even remotely close to it. And the reality is if I compare to what I was doing before, which was just like a couple times a week, if I did only a thousand meters, let's say Monday through Friday, so five days, that's literally an extra 5,000 meters per week. Again, not that much at all. You know, some people will do a 5,000 meter as one of their training sessions very easily. And again, they may be doing multiple sessions per day. But it was a lot more than what I was doing before, which was really not that much on a daily basis in the morning. So I just did it by time. I said, okay, I'm going to put it right at six minutes. And the nice part on the rower is you can track how far can you go in six minutes. And since I was doing it every day, I limited myself to nasal-only breathing. So one, that may have some effects with relation to how you process uh, CO2 and breathing patterns. Again, that's probably a topic for another show. But it's automatically going to limit me to not go to my absolute max. Because if you do something that sucks really, really bad every day, yeah, odds are you may start not doing it anymore. So I didn't want to make it so hard that I would start skipping days. 
And even if I got on the rower and only did three minutes because I was running late, I still give myself the win for doing something. And fast forward, I've done some aerobic training. I was looking back at my training journal here. Every day since February 20th, with the exception of I did miss five days. Um, and that was primarily just due to some crazy travel and not having access uh, to any equipment. Uh, some of those days was uh, a run. Uh, we did some training still when we were down in Australia, came back. We went down to visit uh, Dr. Ben House at his place. I was down there for two weeks in March. I was able to do either bike or row every morning there with the exception of one day I think I missed in the two weeks. Uh, that was the day I was doing my presentation there and wanted to try to wrap up some more things uh, before I presented that that morning. Um, so it's been good. Like my aerobic fitness is much better now than it was before. But I was wondering if I took a lot more time and did a lower to moderate intensity work, uh, what would be the effects? So in theory, if we look at the research, if you're trying to increase mitochondrial volume, so mitochondria are kind of like the little guys that make ATP for you. Yes, they're involved in signaling effects and a whole bunch of other stuff too, um, but they are the power generators of your body. And when we look at the research, if you want to increase the volume of them, so you wanna have more of these little guys making more energy aerobically, right? So aerobically using oxygen, then volume of aerobic training is gonna be the thing to primarily focus on. And I did a little informal poll of some buddies in research and tried to get an idea of you know, what would be a good starting volume. And from my own research, from what I've looked at, maybe two to three hours, I think, is probably an okay starting point. Again, this is not to be an elite level Tour de France ride or anything like that, um, just to, you know, get to be a pretty, pretty decent aerobic level. And I decided that I still wanted to do some stuff on the rower because I didn't want that to completely go to crap. And since I'm at home in quarantine, which we've been here since we got back from Costa Rica, and if you want details about that, I, I go through that whole process uh, in the interview with Dr. Eric Helms, which is coming out very soon, so I won't belabor that point here. But we made it back home safely, and I'm fortunate that I've converted the garage into a gym, which I started about nine years ago. So like I said, I have a rower. I took out the old trainer that I had years ago, put my old mountain bike with road tires on that, put it in the garage. I wasn't sure if I would be able to even go outside for a while. And that also eliminates any excuse of, oh, it's cold out. Oh, it's weird. It's snowed or it's rain. Uh, if it's inside in the garage, I don't have any excuses. So my goal was to hit around three hours a week. So I thought I'll target the kind of upper echelon there. And I worked up to doing about 30 minutes per day. Now again, I would normally split this between the rower and then the bike. And then similar to my rowing experiment, I did not start out doing 30 minutes per day. 
my goal was to prioritize consistency over even a physiologic response, right? So for trainers who are listening to this, I do this a lot with my own online clients. We wanna get them in the habit of doing the thing and then we can play around with how do we change the thing, right? So consistency is gonna be number one. When I looked at the numbers, I'm like, okay, if I'm doing uh, 30 minutes per day, let's say six days a week, that's gonna be three hours. So that's gonna be kind of right within where I was targeting. So I ended up doing 30 minutes per day, seven days a week, since uh, we're in lockdown and everything's kind of like Groundhog Day and I literally lose track of what day of the week it is. And I've been doing that for consistently 35 days in a row now. And when I started out, I just did the same thing I did on the rower and literally my first day on the bike was five minutes. And then the next day was 10 minutes. And then I just started adding one minute per day until I got to around 10 minutes on the rower and 20 to 24 minutes on the bike. Now initially when I got on the bike, I didn't even have a way because it's on a trainer, can't use GPS to measure distance or speed. Um, I did find a pretty cool Garmin unit that I stuck on there for like 30 bucks so now I can track speed and distance and play around with intensity and tempo and all that stuff. But my whole goal was to ride at a moderate intensity and nasal breathing the entire time and just kind of see what happens. I still kept lifting in the afternoon. So lifting, I was doing about five to six days per week. Um, so what I found with it so far is I've got a few more weeks to, to go on this experiment. My goal is to try to carry it out for eight weeks. Again, we're in lockdown again here till probably about another, not quite two weeks. So I'm gonna be pretty darn close um, to that. Uh, what I found so far is HRV is more consistent day to day, which is kind of what I've seen in clients doing a lot more aerobic based stuff. Uh, we talked a lot about this on uh, the roundtable, the Stronger Experts ones with my good buddies, uh, Luke Lehman from Muscle Nerds, uh, Alex Vieta from Complete Human Performance. I think you could probably still find that through the Stronger Experts. I'll stick a link somewhere in here too. Um, but aerobic-based stuff, I think, is a really good buffer for people who have a lot of stress. Now, stress could be from their lifestyle, could be from training, could be from a lot of things. I've just noticed that the more aerobic fitness level you have, better off all of that stuff is going to be. And that's what I noticed with myself too, is uh, resting heart rate uh, did drop a fair amount recently. Uh, HRV in terms of the sheer numbers was not super high. It's higher, um, but I noticed day to day was much more consistent. Now, again, part of that is a confounder of living a groundhog day life. I'm not traveling. I've literally been sleeping nine hours and 30 minutes a night on average. So again, it could very well be just from that too. Um, again, even the couple nights I've had a little bit less sleep or I've had to work late, uh, HRV was still pretty darn consistent the next day. And I'm definitely training a lot more. I'm definitely doing more strength training and on top of that, in terms of stressors, I decided to get a little bit leaner on in addition. So I've been cutting back on calories, so I've been in a caloric deficit also. 
So all that said, HRV has been quite stable, which is pretty darn good. Um, I did some initially preliminary testing to look at the difference between rowing versus biking. And I stuck a MOXIE sensor on my quad. So MOXIE is a sensor that looks at just simply oxygen use. So when you have an exercising muscle, you're going to be pulling oxygen out as it goes by and be dumping in CO2. And how hard and how much you run that kind of gives you an idea related to intensity. So to my surprise, my quad was getting down to like pretty low levels of 14 to 16%, meaning that the muscle was stripping off a lot of the oxygen as it went by, right? So MOXIE, muscle oxygenation sensor. Now, if I compared that to just a pretty easy spin on the bike, uh, I was only seeing around 50, 55%. So in terms of intensity, if you want to use that as a, a rough term here, uh, rowing was much more closer to a strength training adaptation uh, than the bike. So that was more of a difference than I thought there would be. I thought the rower, especially on just a moderate intensity nasal breathing, I was thinking would have been 30 to 40%. And this also may explain why when I started doing this, I didn't do a ton of a ramp in. I left lifting the same. Uh, I dropped calories, so I was doing this all fasted in the morning. Uh, part of that is to increase the use of fats as a fuel. And while using fat as a fuel, I think is a benefit, right? The downside is I didn't have any protein around that time. And maybe I just got too aggressive with upping my volume. I had really pretty good DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness in my quads and in my mid back for, man, quite a while. Um, I also went and reviewed my notes and found that if I added some essential amino acids and maybe a little collagen or a small amount of protein in the morning, I didn't have nearly the amount of DOMS. Um, but due to some of the COVID stuff, I ran out. So a period of about three and a half weeks, I didn't use that. And I did notice a lot more soreness. So um, shout out to the guys at Cerla Ohm, C-E-L-E-R. OHM. Uh, that was the essential amino acids I uh, picked up from them, which is seems to help quite a bit with the, the delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, also, then I took the metabolic cart. So instead of looking at how the muscle is working and energetically, I used that and found that, again, rowing was similar to a higher intensity exercise even though the intensity I was doing was lower to moderate-ish. I was using primarily uh, carbohydrates on the rower, right? So you can use a metabolic cart. It looks at expired gases. You've seen this, I'm sure, many times before. You're breathing into this mask, and it looks at oxygen and CO2. And from that, you can create something called the RER, which is a respiratory exchange ratio. In English, it just tells you how much is carbohydrates, how much of it is fat that you're using. 
So on the rower, even fasted in the morning, I was using more carbohydrates. And that makes sense because the intensity is a little bit higher. Again, a little bit more similar to weight training. On the bike, I was using mostly fat. So probably a little bit lower intensity. Uh, my heart rate was a little bit lower on the bike compared to the rower. And it's just a different method, right? So biking, I'm doing a relatively light spin. I'm not pushing it real hard. Uh, it's just going to be different than the rower. So the rower, even at a lower intensity, still have to create more force each time you're pulling, right? So you're pulling and a lot of that force is created by the lower body. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Again, N of one, uh, there is some other published research that does kind of agree with that. Um, so that was my little experiment that I did. I'm still in the process of doing it. Like I said, probably run that for another couple more weeks. I did push out the first meal to a little bit later. Again, I don't think there's anything uber magical about periods of intermittent fasting, although I am a fan of that. I just found logistically it was easier to do that work fasted in the morning, try to get a couple things done uh, for work, and then I would eat after that. So that ended up being around a 12 to maybe 14 hour fast from overnight until the next day. And two other things I did in addition to this, if you followed uh, my little journey on Instagram there, I just started posting it on the stories, more or less just for my own motivation to try to stay consistent with it every day. And so far in lockdown, I haven't missed a day, which is pretty easy when it's in your garage and you just wake up uh, working from home. Um, I added in cold water. I finally got the freezer up and running, uh, sealed that all off, filled it up with water. It was about a 45 degrees Fahrenheit. And I would get in there immediately after the aerobic training. Uh, I don't think there's any negative effect of doing a few minutes in cold with aerobic adaptations, at least that I've been able to find. Maybe we'll see some research in the future that says it's a negative, um, but so far it doesn't appear to end of one affect it. And it's something I've wanted to do for quite a while. It's quite interesting to do something that's hard and then try to do it for a short amount every day. That's kind of the main reason I got into doing the cold and also just to see you know, how I feel, what are some of the effects. Um, last thing, um, at this time, since my goal was to increase a more aerobic base, uh, I'm still lifting, but uh, lifting was not the primary goal for this period of time. Uh, I did use another supplement I've used in the past, which is called Eternus from the guys at Neurohacker Collective. And that is kind of more on the AMPK side and a whole bunch of the other I guess you could maybe even say autophagy regulators, although that's probably me bastardizing a bunch of it. Um, so it's increasing some of those things along all of those different pathways. I'll post a link to it here. I did an experiment with it last time when I did more aggressive aerobic uh, training, and my HRV actually went up quite a bit. So I thought, well, I'll add that into the mix this time again and see how it goes. Now, the downside with adding all of those things together is you can't tell which thing had the biggest effect. Um, but 
my goal by running this experiment was just to try to move the needle on my aerobic base. And if that's doing it as a combination of different things that I've kind of tried and played around with in the past on their own, I'll throw them all together and see how it goes. Uh, the good part is if it works, hey, cool. I made progress with this uh, period of being locked at home, which is great. The downside is I won't have any data, even though it's an N of one, to say, ooh, this thing or that thing was the main thing, right? I would say based on the research, doing aerobic training is by far and away gonna be the big driver. Even if you do it in a non-fasted state, you're still gonna see positive adaptations from that. So I would encourage people to take a period of time if your aerobic base is a little bit lower than what you think it should, your aerobic fitness level, you can do a 2K on the rower, and that'll give you an idea of where you're at for a VO2 max, right, which is the aerobic uh, side of the equation. And you could also do like a 12-minute Cooper run test. That'll also give you a VO2 max. If those are lower than what you think they should be, you compare that to normative uh, charts and tables then I would give it a whirl. You know, probably in my experience working with clients and done a little bit of this in the past myself, uh, six to eight weeks is kind of a, a minimum that you're gonna need to see. Um, also keep it low to moderate intensity. Uh, if you don't have a heart rate monitor, uh, just nasal breathe probably is gonna get you pretty close to the ballpark in that may have some other benefits with it. Uh, but I also like that it's just keeping your intensity down uh, a little bit. So that was my experience with that. Any comments, questions, hit me up. Uh, if you want more information on this, I may have some more programs coming out in the future. So stay tuned for that. Uh, you can find the roundtable I did from Stronger Experts. That'll be archived in there area. I'll have a link somewhere here where you can get that also. And if you're interested in learning about nutrition and recovery, how it can be changed and a complete system, for especially if you're a trainer or a coach, check out the Flex Diet. Just go to flexdiet.com, F-L-E-X-D-I-E-T.com, and you can get on the, the wait list there. Uh, we do have it still open for a period of time now due to a lot of trainers being at home and having time to do continuing ed. Normally, we only launch it uh, quarterly per year. Um, we did also add a payment plan there. So you can get access to literally the entire course after the very first payment. Um, so you have the ability to go through it and do it. Heck, you could even start working with nutrition on clients within the first month if you're really motivated and have a bunch of time. It's all online and you can work on it at your own pace. And for now, we've put up a payment plan because I know a lot of people are hurting, their gyms are not open. Uh, income is definitely on the downside. The positive side is that they probably have more time to do continuing ed than they ever have before. And there's a lot of really great stuff that's online. The downside is most of it isn't the person or even the speaker's complete system. So if you can kind of take stuff and put it together and a piecemeal your own, it might be uh, pretty good. 
Um, but this one is a complete entire system of how all the different pieces play together, which I think is super useful. And again, of course, I'm biased because I'm the one who created it. Uh, but check it out, uh, flexdiet.com. Thank you very much. Look forward to other interviews coming up here. Talk to you soon.